0: listening to real conversations and the brightest marketing minds with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. This, this is, is Marketing, marketing Unscripted.
1: Unscripted.
0: We are back in the studio with today's guest, Melody Calloway, Director of Marketing and Public Relations for NTT Data. Melody, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, Share a bit about your background and how you landed in marketing.
2: Well, I actually started out my career at Ogilvy Public Relations right out of school. And I walked into the front door and they said, well, do you want to do high tech or do you want to do consumer? And I was like, well, I think technology is kind of cool. Why don't we I'll go the technology route and landed in technology PR. So landed in the dorky side of the house. My first client out of the gate was Sun Microsystems. And I've done PR, everything from mobile gaming to electronic design systems to now working in the consulting industry for financial services and IT software implementation and that side of kind of stuff.
0: And NTT Data in a nutshell, how would you describe that company?
2: So we are a business and IT services firm. Uh, we do everything from the boardroom to the server room, so if you are doing top-tier strategy type of work all the way down to IT software implementation, your Oracle, your SAP, that kind of stuff. So, consulting work all the way through business implementations.
1: So, it's a lot of B2B that work that you're doing each and every day, and so we have a lot of people that may listen that or we have small to medium-sized businesses also, so Can you explain to them maybe the intricacies and the differences in B2B marketing versus B2C?
2: Certainly. So I've done both. Right. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working for companies that are in the B2C space, so like Quizno subs, for example. And the, the difference between that is the type of audience that you're going after. So you have your consumer audience that you're going after, and then you have the businesses that are looking to buy software, for instance. And how are you going to sell that software that's going to make their business better or make them operate more efficiently? And that's kind of the difference.
0: So um, if you were to actually just offer some piece of advice for people like you, marketing uh, decision makers in the B2B side, what area of marketing uh, is working really, really well In 2018,
2: certainly. So, if you are not investing in thought leadership right now, and what I mean by thought leadership is creating content that's original to your company, if you are not doing that, even on the B2C side, you're missing the boat. There's a statistic that just came out from the IT Services Marketing Association that said that 89% of IT buyers are using thought leadership in that first phase of buying the software. So if they're downloading your white papers, if they're reading your blog, if they're looking at your infographic, then you have opened the door with that thought leadership. So if you're not producing those items, then you're missing the boat.
0: As far as producing original content, I'm so glad you brought that up because we're obviously a a partner for a lot of companies in helping in that regard. What type of content, um, if you're a technology company, do you feel makes the most sense right now to captivate your audience
2: you're gonna hate this answer copy you have to be everywhere your target audience is so they're gonna read it when they want how they want where they want and in the format that they want so if you going back to that same survey that just came out I think it's like an even 33% split across the long publications to the infographic to the videos. People are going to consume the type of information that they want when they want. And so my advice to companies is figure out what your target audience is looking for. And if they love your videos you're putting out, produce more videos. Don't all of a sudden say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to write a 10-page paper. That's not your audience. So find out what they like, and leverage it.
1: So in working with um, a technology company like the one you have, it's a little different from some of your past experience. How do you all handle uh, negative press sometimes? Have you ever encountered that? And then how do you control that narrative before it gets out of control?
2: So crisis communications is part of my role as well. And crisis happens. And you have to be in the scenario of, okay, let's act quickly. Let's be truthful and honest and respond in, a, in the timeliness of manner that you can. And that's, that's the key to good crisis communications is getting out there early, making sure that you're honest and open about everything. Because as soon as you're not, or as soon as you start saying no comment, people know that there's something wrong.
0: Interesting. So how do you find the time in your, I mean, talk about your department as marketing and PR. How many people are you managing? How much time do you spend on marketing versus PR? How do they weave together?
2: So I have a team of, let's see, there are on on the PR side of the house, there are four of us. And then on the marketing side, it's a team of about seven. And the goal with this group is to make sure that we're, in the verticals that we work in. So for instance, I work specifically in the financial services group. So software for financial services, I don't want to lose you guys, Uh, but software in the financial services space or the consulting space. And that area right there is, it's, it's finding the, the outlets and the channels that work best for, for our, our clients. So whether that's going to events, doing speaking engagements, awards, Public relations, traditional media relations, all the full gamut.
1: And where do you guys see, what are the top players in that? And as you, you've named off some of those things and you could add digital and all these other avenues, which ones are really performing now in 2017, 2018?
2: Stick with the grassroots, stick with the PR. I'm I'm a huge fan Obviously, my, I, my background is in strictly PR. And so I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And I've led many marketing programs where we stay PR heavy. And that's because the third party validation that you would get from your local news or your local newspaper or even national publications is going to build that credibility for your organization faster than paying for an advertisement that's going to run 10 times in 3 months.
1: Is that becoming more difficult? I mean, there now you know, people are bombarding media right now. There's gosh, how many other PR people are out there competing directly with you and companies competing directly with you? Is it harder today than it was 10 years ago? Yes.
2: You you have to relate to to the journalist and right. you have to read their material. You can't just blanket pitch them. I think I heard and this was probably 10 years ago when I heard this stat that an average reporter receives over a thousand pitches a day. I'm sure it's upped since then because now you have people who pitch on Twitter, they pitch on LinkedIn, they're they're attacking you from every different angle, and I I feel bad for the reporters, but you have to be able to connect with them on a certain level and bring a story that's going to add value to their readers, and if you don't, they're not going to pay attention to you.
0: How do you go about partnering with you know because your your department's a decent size, but I'm sure you can't handle every piece. Uh, internally you have to partner outside at times with different agencies or or media partners how do you guys go about selecting uh you know vendors
2: so the answer is yes i have a pr agency that that i work with and they're fantastic and it's going through the vetting process and finding firms that work right for you I have a podcast firm that I work with as well. And I have an agency that helps me with thought leadership. So their focus is on research. And the partners that have been most successful for me are the ones that, A, get the technology. So that's very important. They need to get what you do. And B, if they can't define what you do, they're going to help you get there. So they're going to guide you in that process as well. So you need them to understand what you do, and then they need to also help you shape your message as you get it out.
1: So, you know, PR is a, is a thing in and of itself, and you can have large PR teams or single-person PR teams, but how how are you set up in your current Uh, Situation to work with the marketing department. How does that work in your organization? Flow of communication, things like that?
2: So, the NTT Data Services marketing organization is about 100 people strong. It's a very large marketing organization. And you have to work as a team, there are no lone wolves. And so there, you know, as I engage with people specifically for thought leadership, which is one of the programs that I run. So I run all of our primary research campaigns and help drive those to fruition and working with each, say, for instance, each vertical. So healthcare, manufacturing, financial services, it's identifying those teams and the people that can kind of help get that to the finish line for you and with you.
0: I always like to ask, uh, you know, marketing directors in today's hiring pool, right? As you guys grow and you look to expand, replace, or improve your team, you know, what's, what's going to set that resume apart today or that candidate, that uh, that's wants to get into your marketing department, you know, maybe they're a millennial looking for a coordinator position all the way up to looking for a manager. What, what, what's that candidate look like to you?
2: Please don't have any errors in your resume. I immediately delete it or I close it if I find a missing period if I find a misused comma that's that's the first thing that attention to detail is very important because if you miss it on your resume and that's supposedly representing you then what else are you going to miss when we're sitting at the table at a very important crisis situation or something like that
0: okay so if the resume is good no errors what's next I'm not going to let you off that easy. Come
2: Ah, on. Uh, let's see what's next.
0: So like I've seen resumes where, um, and again, we, we've looked at interns and whatnot. And I, I found this trend interesting that if you're a creative or you're a graphic designer, or you're a marketing person, you want to turn your resume into a print ad. And I don't think that's the best move. I don't think you need to necessarily change the structure and format and go crazy in the layout because you're masking the lack of content or lack of experience, but, I want to see, um, you know, a clean, typical CV style, right? Name, address at the top, company, title, dates, not, you know, started, stopped, started, stopped. A brief description of where you were, but more importantly, what you accomplished. And I'm sure you'll agree, it's all about how much money did you make for the company, how much money did you save, or how much time did you save? So I want to see results. So I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that.
2: Yeah, I think that the results-driven layout in, in a resume is important and showing, you know, how much you manage versus how much you've, you've driven revenue for the company. And even if they're coming in at a lower level, so say you just graduated and you're trying to get in the door, just saying, you know, I worked for this company for this many months and, List those responsibilities that are going to actually relate to what you'd be doing in the job that that you're applying for, rather than just listing your day-to-day activities.
1: So, how are you all with technology today? Is it easier for you to attribute the results that you create? So, let's say that there's an on TV interview, or you, whatever it should be, that it, you can't. It's not a direct hit to the website. You don't you can't attribute it directly from an ad. Is it has it become easier?
2: Yes. Yeah. Because of social media.
1: Okay. Analytics
2: and social media have made life a lot easier for measurement for the marketing team. If you're if you are tracking, say for instance, hashtags or you're tracking bit.ly links that you've embedded in your in your Twitter posts. That's how you're starting to see the measurement come back. And then from an article perspective, you can see, you know, how much that article is driving traffic. If somebody hits a link within the article and comes back to your website, you can track that. So from a tracking perspective and measurement perspective, it has greatly increased over even in the last five years.
1: So is social media, important to you all. So B2B, we hear different things.
2: Yes, you have to have it there. It is a necessary evil, I believe, for all businesses. There's not one business out there who who can skip the social media bandwagon. And it's it's not a fad. It's not going away. And you need to invest in it if you not if you're not already.
1: So your clients are going to be uh, it, it, it probably they're not going to be you know, 20 or year, 20 years old, you know, on Instagram. Of course, you're working for large organizations right. and decision makers, so, and they may not have the time to be on Facebook uh, talking to their best friends every day. So is it, are you using LinkedIn as one of your main channels?
2: So it's selecting the channel that's right for your business. Right. You are exactly correct. My company, it would not behoove us to be on Instagram. Right. That's not our target audience. Does it help us to be on LinkedIn for recruiting purposes? Of course it does. Does it help that we're publishing blogs on our CEO's LinkedIn profile that he's writing and he's doing those things? Yes, very important. And then from a Twitter perspective, that the top leaders in our organization are actively tweeting? Very important.
1: So that's interesting because I I think that's where small businesses or even medium-sized businesses fail. Um, it's the buy-in, uh, and maybe in larger organizations, it's maturity, education, ability to write. How do you, how do you get everybody on board?
2: So I started this program a few years ago with a colleague of mine called Tweet Camp. We lock our executives in the room for a half day, and we go through what it takes to do social media, from setting up your profile all the way to what you need to be doing when you wake up in the morning and you turn on your phone. So I tell people, those executives or even the people who own a small business, during your first cup of coffee, that 15-minute window that you're sitting there just reading the news, that's your time to read the news, retweet something, post something new, and then check back in after lunch. And set a time that you're going to do it, say 8.30 a.m., this is my social media time. I'm setting a timer for 15 minutes. Social media will suck you in. So it's very important that from the small business to the, to the large business that you're setting aside time to do that. I know that executives are busy. I know that small business owners are busy. But if you make the time, it will make a difference.
0: Are you guys finding, I know we talked earlier about types of content and, and um, you gave great advice is know your audience. Where are they spending time? What do they want to see? Um, I think you'd agree that even doing so, you still want to you still want to be on there on different people's radar because, as we all know, and baby boomers are retiring, you know, some of the next generation X and Y are moving into those decision making uh, roles. So they they do like video. They do like nice pictures. Are you finding video uh, in some capacity is serving you guys well in marketing?
2: Yes, I I love the use of video, even if it's a short thirty second video. And video makes—it it connects with your audience. And even even smaller organizations that are, that are looking to do video, you don't have to be a professional at it. You know, you don't have to put out the top-tier quality videos. People want to hear from you, and this is just another avenue to do so.
1: So outside PR, you know, working with the marketing department— Um, Where is the thrust in the money being spent in your organization today? Is it search engine optimization? Is it paid ads? Or is that really not important because where you're at in the B2B space? We do it all. (laughs) You do it all. We do (laughs) it all. And I know that not (laughs) everybody
2: can do it all. Right. And, yes, there is search engine optimization. If you're setting up a website, knowing your keywords, using... SEO rush using you know using those tools that help you find the right words to to build your website that's part of the game and it's important that you know and invest in those
1: So you know talking about content I'm I'm looking at your blog here and there there is a blog post going out once a day and then I can see the breaks in the weekends and holidays so do you have on how many writers do you have on staff? or Are those being written internally by you and other people in the marketing department as part of what they do?
2: So we have several writers on right. our team that are not only writing blogs, but we have executives that love to write blogs, too. And when you find when you find an executive that enjoys to blog, you you definitely push that and you promote that it. and you, you give them the, the time that they need to do it. But then we have other people who would prefer to sit down and be interviewed by one of our writers, and then they write it. Or they'll send them a PowerPoint deck of a presentation they did two weeks ago, and then we have a writer that writes it, they proof it, and we get it up. So having that team of writers is is very helpful. It's not just one person. It's not, you know, even with my own blogs, I make sure that our editors read it before I post them up. It's so important to have a team that can that can help you with that. And then on the on the smaller business organization. Side if you're a small business and you don't have a team of writers, which a lot of people do not uh, it's so important that hey have have your have your spouse read it, have a friend read it, just get somebody else 's set of eyes on it and and but get out there and write
1: it's almost like uh most uh, organizations that at least are mid sized organizations, so it's a lot smaller than your one person business a lot big larger excuse me. They need to have a writer on staff that they need to have that person because with the amount of content that you're going to need to at least be able to get on the field and compete, you're not going to be able to do it yourself. And not, not many people are equipped to do it.
2: And I the answer is yes. And there's a huge trend of companies hiring re, reporters. They'll they'll go to the the local paper and they'll go hire a journalist. And now you have a writer on your staff. There are several firms in the consulting business that have gone to the New York Times, have gone to the Wall Street Journal, and they've invested in those salaries in order to bring in good writers. And you can tell the difference.
0: Oh, yeah. Melody, thanks so much for coming in today and spending time with us. Really enjoyed uh, learning more about you and your business. Best way for our audience to connect with you.
2: You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Melody Calloway, or you can find me on Twitter, Melody Calloway.